but before we do that, I want to start a little exercise. Um, I'm still trying to learn you all as you all are trying to learn me. So some of these I just kind of use to gauge uh, your experience or your, uh, your uh, maybe, maybe intelligence may be too cynical of a word, but let's just try it anyway. So I'm going to name a product, and there's only about six of them, so don't think I'm going to be here all day. I'm going to name a product, and then I just want you, you don't have to yell it out, you don't have to raise your hand, just kind of, you can say it out loud, or you can just think in your head, what is the first company that comes to mind? So I'm going to name the product, and then you respond to me with the name of the company. Everybody, everybody tracking? Okay, is that, is, that, is that simple enough? Okay, so here's the first one. Happy Meal. McDonald's. Okay, see, that was, that was kind of a softball pitch, not offend to the softball players, but I mean, that was just kind of an easy one right there, okay? So, so here comes the next one. Cobalt Tools. Lowe's. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so, all right, so uh, here, here's another one that we're going to see that's really going to be a dividing line between you all. A Model S car. I didn't say Model T, I said a Model S car. S as in Spence. Who? Huh? Close. What is somebody else? Some, what? What, Brandon? Tesla. That is right. Now, some of you are going, what in the world? That's the electric car company ran by Elon Musk. I mean, they're just blowing it up right now. They're running laps around the competition for electric car. Your great-great-grandkids are probably going to be driving Teslas one day. But the Model S is the flagship model for the Tesla company. So that you can say, well, if I didn't learn anything else today, at least I learned what one of the models of the Tesla car is. Okay, so let's continue on. Pro Rodeo Jeans. Wranglers, okay, I figured some of you would get that. Okay, what if I said tea party? This is kind of an homage to Steve uh, from last week. So if I said tea party, what would be the, uh, the company or the organization? Well, <laughs> traditionally or historically, the tea party has been kind of one of the fringe organizations of the Republican political party. So the other, night, the other day we were sitting there and, tea, uh, and Steve made a reference about the tea party and so I thought that I'd pull that out there because sometimes people think when they think about the tea party they think about an alt-right movement or they think of a conservative arm or some type of conservative movement of a, of a political agenda. So here's the last one and I'm sure most of you will get this. If I said app store. Apple. Apple. That's right. That's the iPhone. We're, we're, we're conditioned in this world today to think that any need you have in life, it'll be on the app store. And so these are words that companies are making up that they are conditioning us to think this is what you need. And so now if I need something to help me count, if I need something to help me breathe, if I need something to help me sleep, if I need something to help me run, if I need something to help me eat, if I need something to help me know that I'm alive, I can find it in the app store because as they say in the tagline, there is an app for that. Well, the connection that I want to make to us with us this morning is that many times when you think about a product or you think about a name, it elicits a opinion. It elicits a thought. It elicits what you value or what you think about that product or that company or that name. And so here we are in Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to talk about the names of God, because just as you speak about a Happy Meal, or you think about a Model S, or you talk about Pro Rody Jeans, you're talking about a company, and you're using names to describe value. You value using names to describe a, a person, a place, a thing, a company, whatever it may be. You are using names to uh, talk.
talk to someone about what it is that you're referencing. And so the names of God matter. And one of the three, one of the, the four foundational truths that God gives us on this vertical lens, if you think about the Ten Commandments, the first four have to do with our vertical relationship with God. The next six have to do with our horizontal relationship between man. So in these first four commandments, these first four truths, God is speaking about our relation, our uh, interaction, if you will, between us and God. And so God came in, if you think back to where we were at the first week and said, hey, there should be no other gods before me. He came back in last week and he said, you should not create idols. He's saying, I'm the only God in your life. You should not be creating idols that you should worship. I am the only God worth worshiping. And then this morning he's going to come in and say, listen, there is no other name besides me and you need to be careful of how you use my name. We are living in a day and age when people are flippant with their communication. We are living in a day and age when people abuse and misuse languages we're going to get to here later on. But one of the things that I want to call us to this morning as a church is to question and to consider how it is that we speak about God and how that influences a lost world around us. We started off with this quote by A.W. Tozer that's there in the top of your notes that just simply says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I, and I keep putting that in there because there's not a better quote that I can find that succinctly tried to direct where my heart's at and where I hope your hearts will get to as far as where we are on God. And so this morning, it's not just about the blasphemy words that you are probably thinking about or using God's name in vain. I, I am driving to this morning to ask you, even when you say God without putting a word on the end of it or a word on the front of it, are we using God's name in vain when we show up and say one thing with our mouths and do something else with our lives? But I'm getting ahead of myself. So look with me there in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. I'm going to read aloud. If you will read along with me uh, your copy of God's word, and let's look at this third foundation that God gives us concerning Names In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, the Bible says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. May God add understanding and application to his word this morning. There's lots of ways that you and I could come to this passage. There's lots of ways that you and I can come to this text to try to understand it or try to apply it so often it's easy for us to say so you shouldn't take God's name in vain and we already have a category. We already have a list of these are the words that take God's name in vain and sometimes it might be easy for me and I'm not going to apply upon you but sometimes it's easy for me to skew scripture to put me in a positive light and everybody else in a negative light. And this is one of those passages that oftentimes we can come to where we can just say, well, as long as you don't say blank, 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 and as long as you don't do this, 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 you're covered, and everything else is fine. Well, I want to encourage you this morning to take a, tri- a trip with me and just look at what God is actually saying right here in this verse. We're going to break it up in three different parts. Part number one is the name of 
God. If you're following along there in the notes or if you're looking on the screen behind me, it's the name of God. That's the focus point of this verse. Verse 7 says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then he says, Lord again. Now I know that most of you already get this, but some of you here may not. There in your translation, your copy of God's word, most likely that Lord will be written in uppercase, uppercase, and what I call lowercase, uppercase. It's this idea that this is a specific denotation by the typesetters on how they determine Lord from and this isn't this isn't correct theology but it may help understand from Lord to Mr. Lord or from Lord to proper Lord and so they will use this right there because there in the original language there in Hebrew that word right there that was used was Yahweh and Yahweh is the proper name of God but yet in the Jewish tradition in the in the Hebrew they weren't even supposed to use that name in normal everyday language they would write it down and they would reference it but they felt like that name was too holy, too reverent, too set apart. They never felt like they were worthy enough to mention the proper name of God. And so you would see that right there in your text where they'd use this and the typesetters, when the translators were doing it, said we need to have some way to distinguish it. And so they put that there. And then he uses the word God. You look it up there in the original text, in the original Hebrew, that word for God is Elohim. Elohim. And so Yahweh is the proper name of God. Elohim is what would be considered the common name of God. So sometimes you can get confused if you get into churches and you haven't been in church very much. You just wonder, well, who is he? Is he God? Is he Lord? Is he Jehovah? Is he Yahweh? Is he Elohim? Is he Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit? And we have all of these names and sometimes people can go, why can't we just have one name? Why can't we just have one name to go by? Well, God right here in this text says, you know, it doesn't matter which name it, you use. What matters is, is who are you speaking about? See, right there in this text, in verse 7, he uses the name Yahweh and he uses the name Elohim. And in both of those instances, I submit to you this morning that what he's doing is he's revealing a position or a title. He's saying, this is who I am properly, and then this is who I am sovereignly. So, Elohim, or, or I'm sorry, Yahweh, Lord being his proper name, God being his uh, common name. He is saying, do you not understand that when you are speaking of me, you're not speaking of your neighbor. You're not speaking of your next, uh, next uh, uh, best friend down the street. You're not speaking of your coworker. You're not speaking of your spouse. You are speaking about God. 1999, I was sitting in a set of barracks in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and I was going through my initial basic training with the uh, U.S. Army Reserves, and we had a drill sergeant named Drill Sergeant Garrison. And at the time, I was 19 years old, so if you were over the age of 40, you were considered a dinosaur. And so I don't know where he was at, but he looked like one of those dinosaurs. And Drill Sergeant Garrison had this really rough, coarse way about him. I mean, he had this really deep voice, and he would get out there and call cadence. And so he, I kind of liked him, but at the same time, he was, he was kind of a little rough on you. And so one day, we were sitting in the barracks, and he wasn't even around. There was like me and a couple other guys were sitting there, and I can't remember exactly what we were doing, but we were having a conversation, and I said something about Garrison. And I just passed it. We were just having a conversation. I wasn't cussing the man. I wasn't complaining about the man. But I referenced him as Garrison. And it wasn't like two seconds later, here it goes. And in walked this other drill sergeant. And he looked directly at me and he said, what'd you say? And I thought, I didn't say anything bad. He said, whose name did you use? And I said, 
garrison. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not garrison. That is drill sergeant garrison. He proceeded to take me outside. And can you imagine this? He proceeded to take me outside. And I did push-ups and sit-ups and run and rolled around the dirt for the next 30 to 45 minutes because he wanted me to understand that there was nobody that I was going to refer to as just garrison. That's what I talk about the other guys with. But when I'm talking about a superior, when I'm talking about somebody above me, I refer to them as drill sergeant garrison. So you know what I did for the rest of my time that I was there? I used drill sergeant. (laughs) It was pretty simple. I drill sergeant garrison. But what he was trying to do is he was trying to remind me and point in my heart this need for reverence, for this need for respect, for this need to have a certain amount of uh, of humility when it comes to those over us. And so God is coming in here right here in this text and he says, it's not about what you think. It's not about how you feel. It's not about what you're used to. I want you to know that when it comes to me, when it comes to God, my name matters. Why? Because names describe who a person is. So when we speak about God, when we speak uh, to others about God, when we think think about God and ourselves, we are describing who God is. I was on a train in between uh, New Mexico and Colorado, this steam train, and this guy gets on this train, he has this, uh, he's got these big old, uh, the, like the train conductor uniform on, but he's got this name tag, and it says Docent, and he was re- introducing himself to everybody as the Docent, and I thought, who, what is a Docent? Well, I was just ignorant. Come to find out the docent is a term they use to talk about somebody like a a conductor or some type of like a a tour guide, if you will. And so he was the one that would get you on the train that would tell you all about the topography and all about the scenery and all about the train. He was like the tour guide Why we were on this train, the docent. Well, the name described who he was. And so God comes in and says, listen, I have names that not just describe who I am, but I have names that reveal who I am, and I have names that remind you of who I am. Sometimes we come to this idea of God, and we just take it so flippant. We just take it like, oh, God's our homeboy. God's our friend. God's somebody that we can just uh, be flippant about. But do you understand who this God is? Every place you see in the Bible when God showed up and spoke to man... Man was never the same since. Every place you see, we were talking about Revelation in Sunday school this morning. When he shows up to John, what does John do? John falls down flat. It's not one of those things that God's going to come in the back door and be like, what's up? That's not how that works. It's not one of those things that God shows up and we say, hey, I've got to talk to you. You owe me some money. That's not how it's going to show up. That's not how it works. It's not one of those things that God just shows up and we're just like, hey, God's here. Let's just keep on going. Business as usual. Do you understand that every place you see in the Bible, every place you see where God shows up, people change. And somewhere in this life today, we've become so flippant and so cavalier with God that we've forgotten what it's like to fall on our face before a holy God. We've forgotten what it's like to be in awe of God. We forget that all of God's names are holy. Not just the Lord, not just the God, not just the Jireh, not just the Jehovah, not just the the Messiah, not just the Savior. All the names of God are holy. And so God comes in there and says, the first thing you need to understand is that my name is not the same as anyone else's name. But then you go to the second part. And the second part has to do with the words of man. So God comes in in this foundation and says, you need to understand what my name is and what my name means. And then in referencing that, he talks about the words of man. See, it's so common in this day and age where we easily abuse or misuse words. 
I mean, how many times do you hear from this next generation coming up that they love everything? Oh, I just love that. Oh, that's just so lovely. Oh, I just can't get enough of that. Love, 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 love. And I'm thinking, how much stuff do you love? Talk about a restaurant. Well, I just love their soda waters. How do you love a caffeinated, carbonated drink? I don't understand that. Oh, oh, I just love that TV show. It's a TV show. How do you love a TV show? But we'll use words like this and we'll use uh, phrases like this and people understand what you're talking around you, but the reality is is that we're misusing or even misunderstanding what the word means. You ever heard a child say, I'm just starving to death? I've heard mine say so many times, Daddy, I'm starving to death. I'm pretty sure you're not. (laughs) You might be hungry. I understand you're hungry. I understand that you got that knot in your stomach, but are you starving to death? Really? I think you're misabusing or misusing and maybe even abusing what that word means. You talk to somebody and talk, they talk about being so excited. Well, I'm just so excited. I just, can't, I just can't stand myself. Yeah, you are. You're standing yourself right now. <laughs> well, I'm just so excited. I just can't wait. But you are. <laughs> You get in that line of frontier city or six flags and they get in that line so I just can't wait to ride this ride and four hours later they're still waiting I mean yeah you can you sure can and so so many times in our humanity and in our flesh we start to use words we misuse words sometimes languages and cultures use words differently and so sometimes we just assume that what we say everybody understands and God says you need to understand that a lot of things in this world it doesn't matter whether you use torch or flashlight it doesn't matter whether you use the English word or the American word it doesn't matter whether you use a phrase or a language that somebody understands I mean some uh, generations ago you went back and asked your great grandfather what swag meant they wouldn't have any idea what swag was you go back a hundred years ago and you ask somebody can you tell me what twitter is nobody's gonna be able to tell you what twitter is go back a hundred years ago and ask somebody what internet is they would have any they wouldn't have any idea and so god says i understand that your language changes i understand the way you speak changes but you need to understand the way you speak about me matters So you can use a lot of stuff flippantly. You can use a lot of stuff however you want to. But when it comes to me, don't misuse my words. So a lot of times we will come to here and we will say, well, then it's just a matter of these do's and don'ts. Just give me a laundry list, Spence. Just tell me what I can say and what I can't say. And so just give me a list. I'll follow the list and we'll go in that direction. I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 15. What Jesus says about our words. See, there was a question going on right there in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 15 where the, the, the disciples and the people around him were talking about the defilement because there was this idea there in the Jewish tradition, there was this idea that if I went around things, touched something, was around something, heard something, whatever, I would be defiled. And if I got defiled, I wouldn't be able to go and offer my sacrifices. I wouldn't be clean enough to go into the temple and, and do my uh, obligation and be faithful to God. And so they were always staying away from those things that they thought made them defiled. And so they're coming into this teaching and Jesus is saying, you know what, it's not about the food. Excuse me. It's not about the food that defiles you. Do you not understand what it is that truly defiles the person's heart? So pick it up there in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 15. He says, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes in the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles the person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And he answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has planted will, not, will be rooted up. 
Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Now you might listen to that and say, well, Spence, what does that mean to me? Well, so many times we think it's just a matter of the external do's and do don'ts and that is how we pay homage to God. And God is coming in and saying, no, do you not understand? The words that come out of your mouth start from the heart. So the mumblings, the mumblings that we do are a reflection of our heart. The words that we say in our minds but we never say out loud are a reflection of our heart. The time in the middle of the night when no one's awake and you're walking through the house and you stub your toe and you and you think, well, nobody heard it, so it'd be okay. Talking to a sweet lady just the other day, and she was talking about having a procedure done at the hospital, and uh, and she talked about coming out of recovery, and just there were some mood swings that were going on out of recovery, and there, there may have been some things that were said that were not Christian-like and, and were not fit for Sunday morning service. It's one of those things that so many times when we 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 think, well, it's just a matter of not saying it. As long as I don't say it, then it doesn't matter. And God says, you don't understand. If it's in your heart, it's in your heart. So the vanity before God and taking God's name in vain begins in the heart. It's not a matter of legalism of what words you can or cannot say, but communicating, but the communication of our speech. So we have the name of God, we have the, the words of man, and why it matters so much that we consider the words that we're using and consider how it is that we're speaking about God, but then it comes to the effect of sin. The third part is the effect of sin. So how do we tie this together? So what God introduces right here in this foundation is He introduces His name and says, I want you to understand I have a name, and I also understand that you're going to speak about my name, and you're going to speak about me. So when you think about my name, and when you think about the words that you use in reference to my name, then what is the problem? The problem is the effect of sin. It's the effect of sin. Because see, both two different times, both places right here in this text, he uses the word vain. Now if you were to go back up, and we have this idea of our own mentality of what vain means, but if you were to go back up and look it up in the original language, vain is a reference that means in the original word something that is frivolous, something that is meaningless, something that is hypocritical, something that you just think about flippantly. It's this idea that anything that you would speak of in a vain way would be something that doesn't matter, something that is inconsequential, or something that you don't care about that much. So what God is saying is when you say my name, don't say it without meaning it. What's the problem there, Spence? The problem is the effect of sin. The problem is the effect of sin. Because so many times, not just outside the church, but inside the church, we are infected with vain speech. We mean vain speech, Spence. I mean, we come into church and we sing to God things that we're not doing with our lives. 
Greg could have got up here and he could have led us in a great rendition of at the cross, at the cross. And we could all been singing because we know that song, but how many of us are singing honestly? It's just one of those things, brothers and sisters, that we need to understand. It's not about just saying a, a set a number of phrases. A lot of times we will think about it. It's this idea that the effect of sin causes us to have vanity or vainness in our speech. Why? Because the effect of sin says I'm better than I am, or nobody knows about the sin I am, or nobody knows whether I'm being honest or dishonest. And God says, listen, when it comes to me, I know if you're telling the truth or lying. So where it comes home to me is how many times have I been guilty of taking God's name in vain? Because I say, oh God, I'm sorry for this when I'm not really sorry for this. Or when I say I'm praying about that, but I'm praying to God about that, but I know that I'm not praying to God about that. Or I say, God, I'm going to do that when I know good and well in my heart, I'm not going to do that. I speak to God or I speak about God in a way that is meaningless, a way that is frivolous, or I think that I can be outsmart God. That is what he's talking about, using my name in vain. He's talking about the vain speech. He's talking about the vain thoughts. It's this idea that we can go through our lives and we can get mad at God and we can think that God owes us something or God is, in, God is indentured to me or that God, God, why are you letting this happen? We can start having thoughts like, God, we dictate you, not you dictate us. So, you know, we find ourselves having these vain thoughts because we start making less of God than who God is. Let me just give you some examples. <laughs> Sometimes you'll hear, and I've been guilty of this myself, people will talk about, or you'll hear me talk about it, say bull butter. Well, let's just be honest, everybody knows what you're saying. <laughs> everybody knows what you would say if you weren't in church. Everybody knows what's a reference to. But I think, well, if I say bull butter, that means I have sanctified it. I have Christianized it, so therefore it is okay. But really, when the person hears you saying it, what do you think the person hears? The person knows that if you weren't trying to put on a show or act like a Christian, you would really use the other variation. Freaking. whole group of young people today they're just going around and they just use that word over and over and over again I'm not going to say it again because so many times when I start saying it 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 starts crossing over and sometimes people don't articulate or don't understand and if there's anybody watching right now over the internet I don't want them to pour audio to come through and them not to hear me correctly and then just to start it on Facebook hey guess what the preacher down at First Baptist Church was saying but you understand that people will use that word and they won't actually say the original word so they think that by saying that that's okay and God looks at them and says what's the difference your heart is still the same you still have the same meaning in your heart then what are you doing you are making light of me you're taking me for granted and you think that I don't hear the difference O-M-G what's the difference in saying O-M-G or just the regular standard G D. What are we doing? I don't understand what we're doing. It's one of those things that we have this whole group of people today, both inside the church and outside the church, that think that their 
words and their speech is not heard by God. And God says, those are vain. Those are using my name that is using uh, who I am in a frivolous, in a flippant, in, in, in a way that is not honoring to me. So you have vain speech, you have vain thoughts, and then you have vain hearts. This is the effect of sin because the effect of sin says, hey, this is good enough. Or if you're better than that person, then you should be right there. Or God doesn't know. God didn't hear. It's not hurting anybody. Well, you didn't mean to. It was a slip. All of these excuses and that, effect, that, that sin comes in and start to uh, compromise our hearts. And the next thing you know, we're walking around thinking less of God, lowering our view of God, and not taking God as seriously as we should. And God comes in and says, do not Use my name in vain. He's not talking about a list of cuss words. He is talking about your language when you speak about him. I think so many times in the Christian world today, we just uh, applied this to a couple of cuss word phrases and just said, well, as long as you don't do that, you're good. I think, I think, I think that God is sitting there saying, anytime you speak of me and you do it in a flippant or frivolous matter, that is using my name in vain. And woe be to those. He says, I will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So there's three parts to this. You have the name of God. You have the words of man. You have the effect of sin. All of these come together to the point that we are sitting here and God is saying, listen, you need to remind yourself. You need to remember. You need to understand that when you speak of me, when you think of me, when you hear other people talk of me, every time you speak of God, you're communicating to someone else what you believe about God. And so many times with our daily lives, we'll say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And then we'll start talking about some filthy TV show we just got through watching. Oh, I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I'm just not faithful. I, I'm a Christian, but I don't read my Bible. I'm a Christian, but I don't serve. I'm, I'm a Christian, but God knows who I am, and I got, God's okay with me. I want to warn you, brothers and sisters, that it's not a matter of following a do's or a don'ts. It's not a matter of going through the hoops. It's not a matter of following some, pop, some person's rule or some person's tradition. It's a matter of being faithful to God's Word. It's a matter of being faithful to God's Word. And if you say, you know what, preacher? Get off my case. I know that I'm right with God. And you're in contradiction to the Word of God. Guess what you're doing? You're making light of God. And you're not going to offend me. I'm going to heaven whether you go there or not. My eternity is secured. But I'm concerned that we have too many people both inside the church and outside the church that are making vain repetitions about God and God is looking at them and saying, nope, 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 that's not what I said, that's not what I do. And we use this opportunity to use God's name in vain, not just in the cuss words, but with our everyday lives. Which leads us down to this foundation. Get to the application point of the story this morning. So then, what are we supposed to do, Spence? Well, look in your life and ask yourself the question. Where is vanity in my life? Where is this vanity in my life? If, If God says, do not take my name in vain. If God says, you know what, you should not be toying around with my name, toying around with who I am. You should not be toying around with thinking that God will give you a pass on sin. God never gives anybody a pass on sin. How do I know that? Because he put his son on the cross because of our sin. 
So don't think to me, well, I just committed a white sin and God will overlook that. God never overlooks sin. Has never, is never, will never overlook sin. So it's not one of those things that you and I say, well, God's too busy doing somebody else. He's not going to pay attention to me. Really? Where is the vanity in my life? Where am I taking God for granted? Where am I speaking ill of God? When am I uh, speaking in ways that don't point to the deity of God? Don't point to the holiness of God? Where does this come from? Where is the vanity in my speech? This idea that where is it that I am speaking to people and I say, well, I, you know what? I go to this church or I go to that church or I'm a Christian here or I'm a Christian there. But then when they come and they listen to the rest of the story on Monday through Saturday, they don't hear Jesus in my life. You've probably got people right now that you work with that you don't know they go to church and they don't know you go to church because when you get to work, neither one of you act like it. I'm not saying be obnoxious. I'm not saying beat people to their head. I'm saying that people should hear the glory of God in your life. They should hear the glory of God in your speech. And then that last one. Where is vanity in my heart? Where is it in my heart that I've taken God for granted? Where is it in my heart that I'm being frivolous or flippant about the commands and the issues of God? Where is it in my heart that I am being cavalier with the holiness of God? Where is it that I am taking God for granted that one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an answer to God and I'm going to give an account for what I'm doing today? Where was it that I was like, well, you know what? I know I shouldn't do this, but I'll ask for forgiveness later. I know I shouldn't be over here, but you know God will forgive me. Well, you know what? I know God wouldn't approve, but you know what? Nobody's really paying attention and it's not going to hurt anybody, so I'm going to go ahead. Where in your heart have you, have you had this attitude or this personality of vainness before God? Church, I don't think it's a matter of being a language police and trying to check you up for using this phrase or that phrase. I think it's a hard issue. Because for, before it comes to your mouth, it starts in your heart. And if you have a lack of reverence for God, if you have a lack of awe for God, or if you are flippant, or you are taking God as meaningless or not important, or if you just have a total irreverence for God, then when it comes to the heart, it will come out in the mouth. So where are you at this morning? Where is your foundation at? This morning. Bow your heads with me.